0: All right, welcome everyone. So, um, Troy and I are gonna be having a discussion about reverse engineering at PL today. You never heard what that means. Troy, what does reverse engineering at P&L p mean? Please.
1: Start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind is basically yep. what it is, um, which means cool. focus on what the hell it is you're gonna want um, and then build everything back up from there. Yeah, cool. So, with that, um,
0: so what we're pretty much saying is if you are already looking at making 100K this year or whatever it is, and you want to take 100K out of your business, and we want to make that 200, we're going to have to add 200 to the bottom line, and then we work backwards from there. So what does that actually look like? So what we're going Sorry, to do is... the whiteboard now? Is, yeah, chuck up the whiteboard. Troy's going to put the whiteboard up here, and you guys just follow along here um, if you can. You don't have to be looking at it if you can't
1: if you're working in a switchboard or something? So basically what we've got to look at is, um, and we'll start with goals. And there's two types of goals. There's personal goals and there's business goals. So be just prepared for a hell of a shocking drawing because I'm no artist. Well, some would call me a bullshit artist, but that's another story. So this, believe it or not, is a push So, for anybody that has ridden a push bike, which I'm assuming most of you are, we have a front wheel and a back wheel. So, Gregory, what do we get for the front wheel? Direction. Steering. Um, Steering. Direction. direction. Momentum. No, nah, direction. So, that is personal goals. What do you get from the back wheel? Power. So the power to achieve them, which is business goals. So the point of that is your personal goals give you the direction, and that's what you wrap your passion up. That's the I want the house, I want the car, I want the holidays, and all of those sorts of things. And that's cool. And then you go, well, how much does that cost? Yeah. And your business goals are the way to achieve that. So the how much does that cost goes at the bottom of your reverse engineered out. So just to scrap that and to go back to basics on what a P&L is because p ls are accountants' things and um, generally they're, they're a bit misunderstood. But to make it simple, a P&L from the top down, how an accountant looks at them is revenue minus cost of sales equals gross profit. And then we take out overheads which leaves EBIT. Yep. Yeah, EBIT's earnings before interest and tax. So then after that, generally, it depends on how people's businesses go up. Some people pay themselves wages and that's cool. But generally, director's drawings are at the bottom. Now the problem with that is we start at the top and we go down. and we get to the bottom, what's left? Do you want me to answer my own question, Greg? Or? Net profit. <laughs> yeah, net profit. Sorry. Zero. I'm just trying to work out how to mute people. Uh, yeah. yeah. Are you guys going to remind you to
0: mute your mics because I can see a lot of background uh, noise and I can't mute you at the moment?
2: Thanks. That's just the shape in New Zealand, Greg.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, Chris O'Brien's not muted. Maybe we'll get him to mute that. Who else yep, is Yeah, there? Cool.
0: i just got a-
1: Daniel, Ricky.
0: Yeah, you can mute them if you yeah. just hover over their photo and mute them yourself, Troy. But anyway, okay. um, So revenue, guys, is like I'm just going to break these up for you. Revenue is how much money you bill, not including GST. I think a lot of people I've talked to in the past, it's like, oh yeah, but it includes GST. It doesn't. There's no GST included in that. Um, then your cost of sales. We want to make sure you've got things that relate to the job. So it's going to be higher equipment, it's going to be staff's wages, their superannuation, Uh, it's going to be materials required for the job. So a lot of your- Freight,
1: parking, toll,
0: Parking toll, anything related to you getting that job done. So most zero accounts, everything, your default template's going to be wrong, it's going to have your wages down in your overheads column, which is where you want to have your admin staff, if you've got admin staff in there. But apart from that, uh, your overheads are everything else that's operationally uh, really required. It might be office equipment. It might be rent, the property, um, all these other things that are in there. I think Troy's got a template we can look at in a minute. Um, but yeah, just make sure when you do, do your P&L that you put all of those things and go through your P&L and say, well, what, which of these accounts are actually related to the job? without these things, we wouldn't be able to complete the job. Um, then you need to put them
1: up into your cost of sales. Yeah, that's one that of the right, first Troy? things that we look at. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the first things we look at with the coaching sessions is is to sort the P&L out and make sure that it is correct. I mean, a standard P&L on accountants of this is, there's a and l for tax, then there's a and l for operations. do the accountant worry about the P&L for tax and we'll create a and l for operations. And what that does is give you Exactly the information you need to know whether the operation of your business is spitting out what it needs to spit out. Things like depreciation and all of those sorts of things—they don't—they don't belong in an operational PNL, They're down the bottom. Yeah. So, with that in mind, we're starting with revenue, and we take out all these costs, and we end up with very little at the bottom. And there's probably a few people in that situation. Some of the some of the um, I've been doing this coaching for for a lot of years, and um, one particular business which is not actually an electrical business I was coping, uh, coaching uh, they weren't making as much money as they used to and they didn't even know that that was the case until their accountant told them at the end of the year so um, this is a standard way to run a P&L I like to do it the other way and the reason I like to do it the other way is because if we do it that way there's not much left at the bottom and we rarely know it so we go right how much do we want in and just for round figures, let's put in 100k. All right, Then we have these things called retained earnings. Now, 100k is your director's drawings. Retained earnings, that's the money that you don't take out as director's drawings, stays in your business and allows you to use that for growth, buying a new vehicle, putting on a new employee, whatever that may be. Safely, we use 50% so then instead of taking and doing all the minus things which i'm no good at that at the best of times we go plus overheads equals gross profit plus cost of sales equals revenue now for the purpose of this one we don't even worry about that what we do is we look back and we go how much gross margin did you make gross margin is a percentage of the gross profit of revenue. So if we divide that, we'll end up with, um, if that was 100K say, we end up with 200 at the top if it was 50% gross margin. So that's how a reverse engineered P&L works. Don't worry too much about the numbers, we'll go into that in the spreadsheet in a minute, but it's yep. starting at the bottom. 50% or 100. Are you saying
0: keep, keep the gross margin, whatever it is, already, so you that's
1: use, your starting yes, point.
0: Yes, using past experiences. So you might run over if you have the last yeah, if you've got it. Yep. So just keep your percentage for what if you, you have do it. there. So if you
1: have been running Yeah. So if you've been running for the last twelve months, we go back into your P and L, we, we sort it out so we make sure it is an operational P and L and then we go, right, what gross margin did you achieve last year? And that's our starting point. Right. And if the gross margin is um, is great, then awesome. Let's run with that. If it's not so great, then let's put strategies in there to lift it, but um, start with your 100k down the bottom if that's what you want. And I don't know. That's just a figure out of my head and a lot round figures. 50% is a safe retained earnings margin. This means you're not taking everything out of your business. It means you've got some left in there to run to to cash flow. it. If you take everything out, you've got no cash. You run out of money. It's not a great, not a great look. Add your overheads, which we understand from last year, Um, and we can make a decision as to whether they need to lift or whether you can save or or whatever. Add those together, gross profit. Work out what your gross gross margin actually achieved last year was, and that's the figure we start with to give you your target revenue, which is the amount billed. So that's the simplistic form. Cool. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So... Um, just to give it a bit more context. So uh, a really important thing here, guys, is to make sure that you're, you're running your P and L these calculations when you're making directors decisions about what you should do with your business or how much money you should take out from your P and L rather than your bank account. A lot of people work out of their bank account. Oh, look, I've got a bit of money at the moment. I should be able to just take a bit of extra money to pay those bills off personally and whatever. So, Really important that you do start using your P&L to tell you as a director exactly where you are financially and you know exactly what you need to do next. So whether it means that you knuckle down and you make sure you're not spending extra money, this all comes from your P&L and actually being able to analyze it and then do this reverse engineering. Well, how much do I need to make? What do we have to do? What are the decisions we have to make as a result um, of our situation? So if you're currently running your business off of your bank account and going, I've got money now, I can spend it, there's a couple of things I we'll just want to make throw in here before we can carry on with this is to make sure that you're putting away your GST and your pay as you, you go tax withholdings into a separate account. Um, and also because they don't come into this calculation except for the you know they just don't come into this calculation. So yep. make sure you P and L's do not in.
1: include GST.
0: Yeah. So make sure you're putting your money across to a separate account and then it gives you a bit more clarity of where you are. But never use your bank account as a guide to see where you are financially.
1: So one of the things we do see as well, just remember the 100K and the 50%, so that'll be 150K. That's gross, so you have to pay tax on that. Yeah. So just make sure that... That is taken into consideration. Now, some people go, "Oh, I'll take the hundred, and I've got the fifty to pay my tax." That's fifty percent tax rate. You're never going to pay that, so you have change. However, um, if you can make sure that you put at least thirty percent of that total away, um, that's a fairly safe number for tax. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. One of the questions that I had today, um, and one of the questions I get uh, quite a lot um, from lots of different sources, is so. I'm on 60 day terms with my suppliers. So doesn't that mean that this P&L um, isn't exactly right? I said no. So what that is, that's that's cash. So that's yeah. the difference between profit and cash. So profit is generated whenever you send an invoice out or whenever you receive a, an invoice from a supplier or a subbie or wherever that bill's coming from. That's when yeah. profit's generated and that's when your p and is generated. <coughs> cash, Depends on when you get actually paid and when you actually pay your bills. Yes. So you can improve your cash flow by getting paid sooner and paying suppliers later. Yeah. But as Greg said, the um the decisions on profitability and so on all come from the p
0: Yeah, this is a big mistake I see so many people do. Mm. Is that you're you're running you're, you can't make decisions if you're if you're just putting so say if zero you make a payment for the 60 days for your wholesaler from 60 days ago and then you put your payment through as a um, wholesaler uh, expense without matching it up to the invoices that were created on the date that you you bought the items so what i mean by that is if it's february this month the invoices that come in this month should be going into your p and l and the way you do that is by adding those invoices into zero as you go. Simpro does an auto-import um, so that those invoices add up throughout the month. And it doesn't matter if you pay it 60 days from now or 90 days from now or uh, 30 days from now. Those invoices will always be part of that month that you actually took the materials that you needed for that job on that month. Does that make sense to everyone? Does that make sense? Um, same as when you create yeah. your invoices for your clients, they might be they might not pay it for thirty days, but your invoice was created in in the month of February, so that that invoice goes into February's sales revenue line.
1: So that's um, yeah, it's pretty important to get the the clarity around that because um, you can come unstuck if you get it wrong, if you look at the wrong thing, and like you said, run out of your bank account. So. Um, Now look, one of the the key things to this, and this is one of the the major points that I drive home, and look, the the high-level takeout points from this this, um, session is know your numbers, really know your numbers. Reverse-engineer your pay on know your numbers. So the five key numbers out of this that I know every Monday, and there's another two that come from a balance sheet, we won't talk about that today, but the five key numbers that I know every Monday, revenue, gross profit, and EBIT. If you know those numbers every Monday and you track them against what your targets are, you will pick up anything that's not going quite right early and you've got a much better chance of correcting it. So if you pick up mid-month that you really need to uh, pull your finger out and and invoice some more jobs, otherwise you're not gonna hit your targets, you can go, you've got time to go and get some more work. You've got time to look through your WIP report, which is work in progress um which is all of the jobs that you've got sitting there that you are working on but haven't built, and that is a massive source of cash it's a cash mine when you do that sort of stuff but unless you know you're not going to be able to correct it so this is half of it the reporting is so important and getting making sure those figures are accurate every monday
0: yep for sure no that's really good so can we to make this a bit more clear for people, can we pull up your Excel spreadsheet that you've got? Yeah. And we'll start and throw some actual figures in here, guys, so you can actually see what this, the effects of each line actually has on your business. But before we go forward, does anyone have any questions that maybe just unmute your mic and just jump in because I can't control it. If you do have a question right now about what we've just talked about, we'll try and include the answer. Yeah, I do. Hey, Andrew. i do, Troy, just
2: quickly. Um, just EBIT. Um, I only yesterday redid the um the 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 course. Yep. Um, what what does EBIT stand for again? I can't remember. So EBIT's just a stupid
1: accountant's bloody acronym that says earnings before interest and tax. The reason uh, I use it is because sometimes people put tax. Uh, it, it could be income tax above the line. Um, oh, right, and right, those right. sorts of things, which just confuses it. They put depreciation above the line, it diffuses confuses it. So if we call it earnings before interest and tax, which is EBIT, um, yeah. it's basically operational profit. Beautiful, no, perfect, right. thank you. Yeah, Cool.
0: you wanna do everything you can to make your P&L work for you. So you need to know how each decision you make. So say if you wanted to put on another van, if I want to put on another van, you work out it's going to be $1,200 a month for the van repayments plus an extra staff member and materials, stocking, all that sort of stuff. And what's that going to cost you? You need to be able to plug that in and we're about to show you how you can plug it in. But, um, the more you practice this and and start looking at your P and L more often, you learn how to be able to look at something quickly, plug it in and see the effect moving forward and whether or not it's a good decision or, doesn't mean that we have to get X amount of more work or put our prices up to be able to afford this decision that you're trying to do. So let's jump into this now. And um, cool. before we do, does anyone else have a, thanks Andrew, has anyone else got a question? And you got three, two, one, too late.
1: All right, next, Troy's next <laughs> up. <laughs> All right, done. All right, here we go. So, this is something that I've developed. Uh, this is something I run in my business. So. This is every Monday updated. Um, this is the overheads worksheet. This is the, the place that we start. So once we've cut up your P&L and, and made it into an operational P&L, decluttered it, put all the lines in the right spots, make sure wages that the are getting cost to sales and not down the bottom and all those sorts of things. Once we've sorted all that out, then we go, right, what are the overheads? What does it cost? If I didn't invoice anything, what are the costs that are gonna keep coming in every month? And that's the, that's what, the key indicator for an overhead is if I don't do anything, if I don't even rock up to work, what are the key things, what are the costs that are going to come into my business every month? And that's an overhead. So we go and interrogate your PL and and we pull out all of these different um, line items. And look, this this is a template that we, that we work through uh, in the coaching, but we can change all of these items if they're not exactly right. Um, we fill in each one what's electricity worth what's motor vehicles worth all the sorts of things that come into it payroll tax which I'm pretty happy we've changed in this state which is great um, rent repairs and maintenance all those sorts of things and we shove them in now for this example I'm just going to use the example of a standard sole trader business and I can give you the actual figures that are pretty close they're, they're an average of what I see when i'm when I'm doing the coaching so the average of a sole trader business that's working from home, they may have a bookkeeper that comes in once or twice a fortnight or or whatever, um, or maybe their their partner does the books or, or something like that. So there's no massive overheads there. So from an annual point of view, and bear in mind we can chuck this in from last year as the monthly, um, but just from an annual point of view for this point of, for, for this exercise, that's the number that I see a lot. It could be 40, it could be 60. That's about the average. So if you were to go into your PNL, and and I challenge you to do this when we finish this session or whenever you get five minutes, go into your PNL and just look at last year and have a look at what your overheads were. Now, you may have some anomalies where you may have different things in the wrong spot and so on, but just have a look and get get your head around it, get to know where it is at least. This spreadsheet will let you put in additional if you put in a finance person, or somebody to do sales, or somebody to do operations, or whatever that might be. But we'll work on that later. So what that does is adds it all up, puts the number down at the bottom of $50,000, and then it chucks it into this spreadsheet. So if you look at line 41, line 41's got 50,000 there. Now this is not perfect. And when I say not perfect, success is not a straight line. It's a piece of wet spaghetti but there's no way to really predict a piece of wet spaghetti. So the not perfect bid is we get $50,000 and we get it in 12 and that's your monthly overheads of 4,166. Now that's a fairly normal number from the sole trader businesses that I see. So the next thing we do is we go, right, we've got that in there. We don't have any wages finance. We don't have any sales and delivery. Um, we don't have any of that what's the number we want to put down the bottom so if you remember from the whiteboard i did the number we put down the bottom was 100k now when we do this and we come up with that figure the test case for that is if you were to go and work for a boss what would you earn and that's a serious question because we're all in here if we refer to the push bike we're all in here to achieve goals and those goals are drilled down from a business point of view into a financial number. And that financial number needs to be more at least what you were getting if you were working for a boss, if not more. Because otherwise, you're working really hard and you've got all this stress and lots and lots of things to do and hats to wear and so on. And and you're not really making the most of it. So make that one worth it. Use that test to start with. So then we put our retained earnings in this bottom box. So that's 50. So that gives us a total there. Target EBIT, line 48, of oh, 150,000. All right, so we've got 100 that we're gonna take out. We've got 50 that we're gonna retain in. So that's 150 and we have to pay tax on that. So if we said, say, 40% of that we pay tax on that. that might be a safe number, but yeah, that's an accountant's thing. Just make sure you are putting your tax away and you are aware that you need to pay tax on that. So with regards to, um, with regards to a number for target gross profit. Um, I'm just wondering whether we open this up and just see what people think about this, Greg. What do they think is a, is a number that they think is achievable?
0: Yeah, I don't know how familiar people will be with it, but if is anyone willing to just have a, uh, unmute yourself and just say what you think? People should be, made, let's just say for a sole trader, And then a business of five staff, five tradesmen.
1: Yeah. So, anybody that, sorry, anybody in that uh, group that's got that or? Any idea, or even your
0: your business?
1: So, what I'll do, I'll I'll pop my hand
2: up. Sorry, Greg um, and Troy. Um, I'm getting a lot out of this and yeah, I'm always looking at, yeah, what my, overheads are, um, but as cool. you were saying, if zero throws everything underneath the gross profit line as, you know, sort of, what's it called? Like, I don't know. Like I said thought, before, overheads. But, overhead. anyway. but yeah, yeah, so the overheads, yeah. Basically, zero is my spreadsheet, and then I've got my own P&L spreadsheet that I made, just with figures that, you know, are, are what things cost me. Um, since I've looked at this extra hundred k, um, I've got it somewhere, but it said I think I came up with a figure of two hundred and eighty thousand in uh, revenue, and that's not including materials, so that's just that's the revenue I need to be generating after material expenses.
1: All right, so if we have a look at this, um, the number that I see for gross margin, that um, I see regularly for a sole trader business. That's every, that's the director, the owner, doing absolutely everything, maybe their partner in the business doing uh, and generally not taking a wage, doing doing the books or something. 70% is roughly what we see. So
2: yeah. what number did you say, Andrew? I said 200, 280000 so, so do you see the number at
1: the top and, right there? Uh,
2: close-ish, yeah. You're pretty close. That's so that's automatic uh,
0: from a, yeah, just from a reverse engineering that from the bottom up.
2: That's right. Oh, it makes me feel like I'm on the money then.
1: Yeah, so, and you are because the amount of businesses and, and look, I, I don't just, Greg coach through Greg's Academy, I coach through a whole range of platforms and, and not just electrical businesses, but trade services businesses. And that is a ratio, those numbers that were put in there, is a very common ratio that's achievable.
0: The question I got though is um, retained earnings and wages depends on what you pull out for yourself at the moment, Andrew, and have we calculated this correctly to make sure that you will be earning enough? So I don't want you to walk away thinking you're on track when we we need to make sure that we dial into certain figures. So in terms of wages, if you're open to sharing,
2: Yeah, I will. Basically, I just I just pay a, pay myself a salary. Um, it's not much, but it's enough. Um, and I just leave as much in the business as possible for now, mainly because I've yeah been back contracting, like without subcontracting to a project type work for yeah, just probably not not even eighteen months. Um, but yeah, so I've taken my wage into account. And all of that, all right. Um, That's to spit 140 grand net profit at the bottom. Okay, cool.
0: So an extra 100k for me. What I want from you, say if you took 60,000 last year, I want you to make 160,000. Yep. So we just need to make yeah, sure definitely. whatever it, whatever it was, have we put enough on there? It's going to be an extra. Yep. So and then from that calculation, say what it was. Um, it may mean, yes, you finally do retain some earnings in the business, whereas before you took out all of the profit for wages, Yeah, you know what I mean? Yes, so,
2: see, I'm structured as a company, so it's sort of, wages are the, you know, they're part of my costs.
1: Yeah. So then, you you actually pay yourself a wage uh, and yeah. pay tax and all that? Okay, so let That's me demonstrate right. how to do that. So you would be considered, let's call your sales. I reckon you're a good, perform, good portion of admin, finance, sales and operations, let's just put you in sales. And if we said, I'm not gonna ask you, but if we said that you put in 60 there, all right, now that includes super, all right, and it's gross, so you're paying tax already on that, so that's the total number. All yeah. right? So then we got 110 down there. Now what does that yeah. do over here? Well, we've now got 50 in there and we've got 60 in there, you know, if you have got to add another hundred to that, so this is actually a real world one for you. If we add another hundred to that. Let's put fifty here.
0: Yeah, put fifty, fifty. Yeah, fifty retained, fifty and extra then, money for you. So you're up to one hundred and ten thousand.
1: And then put a, and then put a hundred retained earnings in there. So you've taken sixty as a wage. You have got yep. fifty grand there that you've got as additional directors' drawings. So you're going to retain another fifty. So there's your hundred at top off Hundred you k. Know, yep. How much did you have to lift? We were at 285 before.
2: Yeah, so now what, we're at? 300. 300, so.
0: So that calculates for instance, so if you weren't making that extra 50,000 retained earnings before, and you sort of was taking all of the profit out for your wages, then we've just added an extra 50,000 plus uh, extra 50,000, sorry, retained earnings, which you're going to keep. Retained earnings means you keep it in your business and an extra 50,000 on top of your wages you can take out and use on your house or go on a holiday, or whatever you yeah. um, want. So that's pretty much what we worked it out. So, the question then is, what were you earning last year? So, So, we need to get up to 300,000 from whatever you were last year, and then we need to work out what the strategy is around that to get you from what it was up to 300,000.
2: Yeah, well, that's why I'm here. Yeah, does it does the 300,000 seem like a lot to you? Oh, it seems a lot, but it's um, I mean, since I've made changes only recently, it's um, you know. It means it's 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 a goal that's achievable. Yeah. Um, cool. Now just well, to fill
0: people happy. in with the changes you have made, it's what we've been recommending in the academy, Andrew, what did you put your wages up from and to?
2: Um so with my, oh, with no, my rate, shopping was hourly yeah, so just I've I, I base my shopping list pricing on um I think it was a minimum of ninety, 90 it was ninety eight dollars plus GST. And that was calculated just an on expenses. Um and now I've put it up to hundred and twenty plus. Um and i probably almost that's actually working well, so I'm probably almost considering even upping it again. And I I will be. Um, good to achieve my this goal yes cool
0: so the difference there to work it out guys you just need to work out what your standard billable hours would be over the whole year so say if you're actually billing out 30 hours or 40 hours a week and you're working forty-eight, forty-eight 48 weeks of the year maybe you're working the whole 52 <laughs> but you need to work that out on the hourly uh, rate and you can work out the effect of you putting an hourly rate up over time. And that doesn't include when you can compound all of those shopping list items on site as well, which gives you even more um, profit on top. I don't know if that fully makes sense or you want me to explain it a bit further.
2: Oh, I'm happy with what, yeah, what you said um, <laughs> cool. so there. Yeah, hey Troy, that, that spreadsheet right is awesome.
1: Sorry say that again, Greg.
0: I was just saying that's a real-life testimonial, everyone. That's still thinking about, oh, should I put my money up, uh, my hourly rate within my shopping list pricing system? If you're still sitting at 80 or $90 an hour, Andrew's a real-life uh, example right there. Uh, how did you go t- when you did change it up to 120? Were you nervous, Andrew?
2: Oh, not really. I just thought, <laughs> I, I, I realized what I was worth. and Yeah. Um, people were still willing to get me and pay that price. Um, cool. You know, you know my, my shopping list items went up by, uh, you know, a small margin and no one batted an eyelid. Yeah. A couple of quotes might have slipped, you know, might have sort of been, like, well, either I didn't hear back or whatever, but I followed them up and left messages and they probably just thought, uh oh, it's too expensive. You know, you get that. Everyone gets yeah. it. A, Guess, yeah, um, you will get but that. yeah. No, I wasn't nervous. I definitely, um, well, saw the bottom line increase a bit, which was good for the month, cool. the couple of months I've had it implemented, but no extra mm, work, just um, that's <coughs> the thing, yeah, basically.
1: And just, just on that, I mean, uh, it's can get you down a bit doing. Quoting and constantly quoting and not winning work, but just just remember
2: some will, some won't. So what next? Exactly, exactly, Troy. Um, I'd love to know that the that exact spreadsheet you've got, and um, yeah, oh, I don't know if you. I know you just said said you do some business coaching. Yeah, that's that, Troy, but that's um. That's,
1: that's what we go through in the coaching. We we go through and we fill it in. Um, if I'm just to chuck this at you, um, it, the chances are you'll get it wrong. Um, yeah. So we go through we go through the business coaching uh, in a fairly uh, fairly firm sort of process where we really start and drill into your PL and We do a whole lot of analysis behind it and then we fill this in um, because that way you know that it's one hundred percent right and then you can you can use it as a tool. And yeah. I'm just about to demonstrate right now what happens. If you and you would be surprised how many contractors are in this boat. But as contractors, we're technicians, and the reason we become electricians is because we're technicians and we love that side of it. By default, we're business person, people. I am exactly the same. Um, I sit around um, with with some fairly heavy hitters around the board of master electricians, and and a lot of them are, are self taught as well. And I go, geez, so I really wish I had actually started this stuff. But ultimately, we're, te- we're technicians and we get this wrong because we just don't know it. And there's nothing wrong with that because you only know what you've been taught. So what happens if we're looking at this spreadsheet and i focus on the gross the gross profit, or sorry, the gross margin percentage in that yellow box and let's look at what happens when I change that down, what happens to the revenue line? And this, and this is what happens in reality, people undercharging, people going, oh, look, I'm trying to compete on price, Trying to compete on, uh, I can't win a job or, or whatever it is, let's drop my price. Let's see what happens when you drop your price. So, if I put in 45% there, you know, this is just the middle of the road. Now, there's nothing wrong with 45%, it's a fairly normal percentage for a larger business, and that's fine. But some people go below that, or some people charge 45% margin as a sole trader as well. So, I just want to Keep your eye on that top line. So the $300,000 was at 70%. If I'm misunderstanding this and not charging enough, I've got to work $166,000 harder to get my goal. Yeah, geez. And that usually comes in
0: in the cost of time. That's when you work at 16, 18 hours a day, every day. And you're like, oh, how am I ever going to get ahead? Hmm. I was just saying before someone, uh, I was saying before you guys even came here, there was only three of us in the meeting. The, one of the guys we did coaching with last week, I worked out, he was, he was worried about putting his hourly rate up. He went from 86 to 120 as well. It's a good stepping stone. Went from 86 to 120. We worked out his labor efficiency for every job over over the whole week and his month was 90%. So he was pretty productive anyway, that was really good. He has a team of three tradesmen, really productive um, team, but they're working their asses off, right? And I said, well, I'm worried about losing customers and all this sort of stuff. And I said, well, let's see how many customers you can actually lose before you have to work any harder. And we worked out when he went from 86 to $120 an hour, he could, uh, his team would only have to work at 67% of the time they are currently, to earn the exact same amount of money, which means he could lose 30% of his customer base and still earn just as much, which frees him up an extra 30% extra time to get more clients in at that higher rate, which pushes that up. And that just shows you what Troy just did, is when you can't get your, if you don't have a high enough hourly rate, that's how much harder you're gonna have to work to get enough revenue to make the extra
1: 100K this year. So late, another example, late last year, I looked at um, uh, an acquisition. So I looked at buying another company. Um, so there's a whole lot of due diligence that goes in behind that. And most of it is financial. Um, if it doesn't pass the financial test, we don't go any further. So when I interrogated the PL, and um, and I had to do this by paper because there was no uh, electronic means available, but once I'd done that, and I looked at what the gross margin was. I'm gonna put this percentage in, and you have a look what the total revenue has to be. Now how hard is that contractor working to spit out what he needs to spit out? <coughs> Why to would enjoy. you do that to yourself? Why would you do that to yourself?
0: I wanna jump in here. <clears throat> These Go people survive because they don't pay their tax. They, Do you know how I said earlier, don't run off your bank account. Don't use that as a guide of how well you're doing. They're spending their tax, their pay-as-you-go withholdings um, that they're holding on to. are withholdings you're holding on to for the government. They're pushing those accounts out to from 30 to 60 to 90 days on accounts for your wholesalers. They're using that money to get by instead of having it from... Having enough revenue because they're undercharging.
1: So I just want to really stress that, because I see it a lot. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's unreal. And when you see you, you see the situation that some businesses are in, and, and bear in mind this isn't just electrical. Um, there's a, it just amazes me, and and this is the maybe a testament to the industry that this guy's in. But there's a plumbing company that I know he turns over $18 million and spits out 200,000 at the bottom after director's drawings. Now that's just ridiculous numbers, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't understand why anybody would put themselves through that, but. Thank you. Uh, and he's he's currently burning himself out, looking looking away that he can just get out of it because he, he just can't do it anymore. Um, so back up into the good news, let's put 70 back in there. That's a much nicer number. Cool. It is. So one one other thing with this spreadsheet that we do, I mentioned about the other the other two numbers. So the other two numbers are balance sheet and current ratio. So balance sheet is a net position number. So if I put zero in there, what that's going to do, actually let's put one oh, no, we'll calculate. All right, we'll put a, a zero in there. So that assumes that we're starting at nothing. So what happens here is on your balance sheet, Now, I don't know whether anybody looks at their balance sheet or not, but if you do, this is what will happen. And this, I used to think years ago, this was all smoke and mirrors and I didn't know how it was all worked out. But you know what? It's just simple maths. It just worked. So this 4,166, every single month, grows your balance sheet. So at the end of the year, you'll have $50,000 in the bank. Now, that's a pretty cool feeling. I don't know people's current positions, but um, yeah, that's a that's a positive start from zero. And then if you have that 50,000 at the end of the financial year then, and you pay tax on some of it, so you have got 35,000 left. Then next year, if you do the same thing without growing your revenue at all, you'll have 85. Now, anybody's saving for a house, that's not bad deal That's pretty good. So the other, The other one that I'm gonna talk about as well is current ratio. So current ratio is a liquidity measure. So all it is, is if you were to stop business today, would you, how much money would you have left after you've paid your bills? So anything over one to one is a good thing. We set a reasonable conservative target of 1.2, and that's a nice to get. If you can keep it at that, awesome. There's a lot of businesses that are above it. I see some that are below it. Um, but what that means is if you had to stop business today, you've got enough money to pay your bills and you've still got some left over if you keep it at that. So they're the five key numbers to running any business. And they're the five key numbers I get every Monday morning. So do we want to open it up for discussion, Greg? Yeah, let's open it up.
0: So if you guys have any questions around this or you want to. Uh, Throw in some things. Before before we do that, uh, now let's open up for discussion uh, just so I have this in, in the um, schedule. Open it up for discussion now. Guys, jump in if you've got any questions, if you want to throw some of your own figures in there. like this, Now's the chance to open up and us help you. Um, but if that's all good, I'm going to give you some homework so you can go away and set your own one up by yourself. Uh, and then I want to talk about... Barley, and then we're going to go into the breakout rooms if Troy can figure out how to do it, because he's the host. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll work that out. Um, how long have we got on this session, Greg?
0: So we've got another 12 minutes for Q&A and what I just said, and then breakout okay. rooms for as long as I go. Cool, done. Cool. Who wants to go? You're brave enough to have a chat. Does anyone know I'll that... I'll
2: will I'm in again. All right, Andrew. Sorry, guys. It feels like I'm taking up everyone's time. Um, you've got to be quick because Andrew gets in it, quick. It, it's not really much of a question. It's just it's more around that spreadsheet um, layout you've got there, Troy. That, yeah. Um, did you develop that, or is that? Um, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so that's so your, that's your baby, right <laughs> there. This is
1: what this is what I use in my business.
2: Yeah. Because I I'm looking at it and I can see it's it's. It's amazing. Like I've got a you know, basically a spreadsheet saying what my fixed costs are. Yep. Um and what I want to achieve and my profits built into that. Yep. Um I haven't set my this is net profit after wages. I haven't set it very high. Yep. Um cool. But with this hundred K challenge I'm hoping to spit out one hundred forty at the end of the year. Cool. Um, but yeah, I was just more that, I just, that spreadsheet. I'd just love to get my hands on it. Oh well, guys, this, no, let's... you've got
0: this spreadsheet, like you literally have to re redefine. And this is part of your homework, right? You've already got this spreadsheet. Don't think this is a piece of magical, like pixie dust. You can make <laughs> it. Out
1: of, pixie dust.
0: Out of, <laughs> you can make this yourself out of your zero. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is what I want you guys to do is to, go away and have a look at all of your uh, current operating expenses where it has in your zero and uh, hopefully everyone's using zero. It doesn't matter really your operating expenses. We want to go to the bottom of your P and L. Do you know how you go into your P and L and we want to edit and create a new layout. So when you create a new layout, it gives you the option to move things around. So we want to, Tick on some of those things and move the things that are related to your jobs above into the cost to sales line. So things will be moving as wages, superannuation, parking. Uh, What's some more? Make sure your materials above the line, your rental equipment.
1: And just be um, just be very uh, mindful too. Um, this was probably set up for you by a bookkeeper or you got a standard template out of zero when you did it, or set up by an accountant. Very different to the way we do it for operational. But one of the other things that I need to do generally, and I find this a lot, is all wages and all super is grouped into one. So that is wages for office staff, wages for the director, and also wages for the field staff, all grouped into two line items, which is wages and superannuation. So we need to create a separate line item for wages and superannuation superannuation, that go into cost of sales, which is above the line, and the rest that are office staff go into overheads below the line. And I would also break out, if you're paying yourself wages, that is, for all intents and purposes, directors, drawings, it's just pre-tax paid, um, create a separate line for that as well. Because that way you're going to get the exact right figures and you're going to get the exact right ratios. And when you copy this across, this whole philosophy across, and you go 70% is my target gross margin, when you go into Fergus or uh, Simpro or Arrowflow or whatever it is that the job management system you're using, whenever you quote that job and whenever you do that job, it has to be that or above. And if it's not, you got to fix it. So this is a macro level. This is your entire business month by month to the year. But you got to make sure at a micro level every job and quote you do is hitting that, because if you don't, then you're not going to hit the target. Does That
2: make sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes plenty sure. sense. Thank you very much.
0: Maybe I can make a, I can make a mini version of this for one month, or you can make it for annual, just if you want, Andrew.
2: And then yeah, I'd pretty, love that. It's pretty just, simple um, to put
0: together. But I'll um, it'll, I'll just won't do it for a whole year. I'll just do one month, and then you can throw in some <laughs> figures. And you can use that yep. as a mini
2: tool if you like. Yeah, I think that'd be ha- really helpful. That'd be awesome, right, Greg. Because cool. I've got I've got my own spreadsheet, but I just think I need to um, read everything one. again. And Yeah. I'd, I micromanage that spreadsheet and others um, yep. every day. But yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. Just look, the way you just punched a couple of figures in and it just had all the formulas there. Let me yeah. show you another one. All right. So that's your budget.
1: Yeah. Now, just said you need to you need to monitor this every Monday, right? So every Monday you're going to be punching numbers in, right? So first Monday in July you're going to go, I don't know. I've done five thousand nine hundred in revenue, all right. Oops. Right, and gross profit I did twenty five hundred, right. So the actual GP I've got is 42. So the track across to here, just yep. below this 70, it tells you, am I on track or not? Yeah. Week one, am I on track or not? Well, no, I've got to lift. Well, where am I going to lift? And then you go and, and you put your EVIT in here as well. And these are all pink, right? But we get to the end of the month. Shit, we're green. Awesome, great. Gross profit. Awesome. We're green. And all of a sudden, hang on, 77%. So that's all green, so we're all tracking right. So you can pick up early. If you're not on track, you pick it up early. And you can make that correct. You've got a much better chance of correcting it if you pick it up early than you have, waiting till the end of the month or even, God help us, the year. And the accountant says, we didn't make any money. Or like they said to one of my other clients, who just happens to be a fencing company. Three and a half million dollar fencing company. And at the end of the year, he handed his zero fold to the accountant. The accountant says, you work harder and you earn less. And he said, well, what does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. He did this. That's what he did. But we fixed it. And we fixed it by doing this.
0: And how did you do that?
1: Beautiful. How did we fix it?
0: Well, how did you do, you just said you went from 46 to 70% or whatever it was.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Apparently, there's a very big difference in margin between retaining walls and fixing. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. But once we'd done this, we worked out what is the higher gross margin work? Service. Well, for an electrician, it could be service, it could be emergency and exit lights, it could be a certain type of project in a certain market, Yeah, it could be anything. Sure. For him, so, it was retaining walls.
0: Yeah. So this is where you need to deconstruct, sorry, I'm just trying to deconstruct what you're talking about so that people can re- relate yeah. listening along. So yep. for you guys, what you want to be doing is having a look at each of the different services you provide, so whether it's residential, if it's like emergency lighting, preventative maintenance, it might be fire, all those different things and go, well, of these ones, which ones do we perform really well in? I actually ended up ditching fire for us because my staff weren't fully trained in it. I was one of the only people that could do it. It was really profitable when my staff went out because they were inefficient at it. uh, They didn't do a good job and it was actually not profitable for us. And so for me to invest time and money into their training, along with all of the mistakes they could make, didn't make sense, for, especially on the trajectory that our residential stuff was going and our like commercial maintenance stuff. So you can make these decisions because of doing this deconstructing what your business does and how you earn money and figuring out which ones are the best. And sometimes for you, it might be, Oh, I do work for builders. Here's the one I see all the time, especially with the guys I coach, they're working with builders and they're doing private homeowners and they might be doing something else as well, a commercial stuff, and having a look at exactly how you're actually making the best margin on all those different types of work. Like I said before, when you drop the ones that are costing you a lot of money in times of frustration and time that you spend, like taking phone calls, going out and doing extra favors for these people, it costs you a lot of money and when you get rid of them it opens you up to get more of the work that is more profitable. So these are the things that you need to start looking at and seeing if you deconstruct your revenue lines, which are actually making the most profit. And for us, what we do is in Simpro you can actually have a different cost center, which relates to a separate sales line per type of work we do. And I do it from, um, I even have Google customers, Facebook customers, uh, recurring customers, all these different broken into different sales lines at the top. It's not just, it doesn't just say revenue or sales. It's broken into all the different types. So I can cross reference when I, uh, my expense lines to get this type of work with that and give myself an ROI on each one of those items as well. But you can
1: also have a look at where's the different costs going into with all of that as well. Yeah, You can split up and look, you start to get into quite a depth analysis. This is an overview and this is a start. Without this, you can't do any of it. But you get into a very in-depth analysis where you go, what type of work is it that's the most profitable? What areas of the city are the most profitable? So, if I'm doing one for Adelaide, so for example, a highfalutin area is Burnside. If I work in Burnside, I can... That people are less price sensitive in Burnside, I can make more money in Burnside, they want slightly different services. I can make more money in Burnside than I can in Salisbury, which is a lower economic area. And then the other permutation that you look at as well is, how many dollars per hour are my guys turning over on these jobs? And categorise the jobs. So if, they're, if you're getting a higher price per hour, which is a, a measurement of return on effort really, then, I'd do those jobs rather than the ones I'm getting a lower price per hour. And when I say price per hour, that's, or profit per hour, that is including materials as well. Yep. So you can categorise and you can go down into the nitty gritty and really analyse it. And if you get good at that, you can, yeah, focus on what does get you 70, 80%. I've got jobs that only
0: 80%. Yeah, for us, like, that's the same as which of our customers and what areas provide us with the highest conversion rate on-site upgrades because of our RCD workflow, we measure every single one we do of those at the moment. And of the RCD workflow, if you haven't seen that, guys, go back into the previous masterminds and check it out. And in the Facebook group, you can get the actual workflow itself, print out. But of that, how many of those are they converting and turning into extra RCDs or switchboard upgrades? And we target more of those areas with our money to make sure that we get more of those jobs. But if we are just targeting the broad areas of Perth, then some of those areas will never convert because they just won't have the money to be able to go and get a $2,500 switchboard upgrade. Whereas the other areas there's, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Just do whatever you want to do. Or just <laughs> do, do whatever you have to do. It's usually what they say. So, and you get that board upgrade more often. So these are the sort of questions you want to ask when you run these reports and say, well, from reverse engineering, our P and L, what do we need to do to maximize our revenue line? And these are the sort of questions you need to be asking yourself. Cool. Cool. All right. So uh, we're about to break into our breakout room. Uh, everyone. So if you've got more specific questions you want to ask in a smaller setting, hopefully we can get this to happen, Troy, um, <clears throat> at the bottom there. But before we do, I just want to have a quick chat about our Bali uh, high-impact business upgrade workshop we're going to be doing. Um, really hope to see some of you guys coming along. There's a really great offer I got at the moment where's it's uh, only $15.99 instead of $19.99 for current members after February, I'm going to have to put that up. I've also got to deal with accommodation. It's only 110 a night us at the Pullman in Bali Legion. And in those workshops, what we're going to be talking about is exactly this stuff, but we're deconstructing it to a whole new level on how are you going to achieve that? What are the marketing strategies you need to implement to be able to achieve that? How do we use Facebook and AdWords, so that you don't waste like tens of thousands of dollars in mistakes and trying to work it out yourself, but also bringing it back so you can measure that ROI on each one of those sales lines that you've got as well. So that's really important stuff that you need to know to be able to go and achieve what you need out of your sales um, in uh, what we're talking about here. So it's going to be a really intensive program that I pretty much only talk to my coaching clients about. Um, you break, you're breaking up, mate. Okay. Too much? Can't hear me?
1: Yeah, no, you're right now. No.
0: Okay. Sorry about that, guys. I was just saying in the workshops in Bali, what we're going to be talking about is how to implement AdWords and social media and other marketing strategies to be able to get these results that we're talking about by raising your revenue line to the point where your net profit comes up quick because if you're already covering your, your operational expenses and your retained earnings are sort of where they're at right now to go to from, you know, 50 grand to 150 grand is compared to, you know, trying to do it uh, without these strategies that we're going to be teaching. So hopefully we can get you guys over there. I know a lot of you have other plans, but I'd love to see you over there for that. And it's going to be a great time uh, deconstructing it all. And what I believe is some of the most valuable time over there will be outside of those. Nah, lost again, mate. Well, oh. damn it, New Zealand, what are you doing to me? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're back. Gonna, I'll talk about it later. It's all good. <laughs> I'll talk to you in a little while. All right. So can we do this breakout room? Then all Jimmy? right.
1: You've got to help me here, mate. I'll just share the screen with you.
0: Yeah, so open up the Zoom. Uh,
1: Yeah, I've got the Zoom open.
0: I can't see it. Hang on, where are we? It's not going to work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, wow. Okay, hang on. All
0: right, so um, what you have to do is down the bottom, it has breakout rooms.
1: Doesn't. That's the problem.
0: Okay. I think think
1: because you started this as host. Yeah, okay. Yeah, what if I leave and I'll come back? You can try and leave if you like.
0: All right. Let's try that. Sorry, guys. Hopefully this works. And then we'll get to your more personal questions when we go into the breakout rooms. For those of you, this is the first session, breakout rooms is where we pair you up with another Academy member and you get to ask your one-on-one questions with them and set your goals for the coming couple of weeks. And I'll also jump in with Troy and any of these questions that you got around what you just listened to. We'll be able to dive into a bit more detail um, as well. So you still in it, Troy?
1: Yeah, I'm in. As is the other one. The only option I got is in meeting. I can't. Um,
0: I reckon I can't like this bridge rooms. is probably small enough to do a group discussion, guys. It's not like a bunch of people just fell okay. out because I think they're on jobs and stuff. Did you want to just do a big group chat? You guys cool with that?
1: Let's do that. I can unmute all now.
0: So just. Unmute your mics and we'll just have a chat about different things. That you've <clears throat> just be a big group of people having a chat if you can.
1: Cool, we're on <laughs> Go, go, guys. How's it going, everyone? Wait, so did you
0: is that confusing as fuck or what? Like, is, is that <laughs> do you were you able to follow along or do you need some more guidance around what you need to do next? yeah yeah hey hey, greg everyone's Um, mind is blown hey man how you doing good buddy good um there seems to be a lot of controversy around what goes into gross profit and what's not have we actually got like it written down because some 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 formulas uh everything goes into overheads some formulas are it changes like well, yep. what's, what's the purpose of like, why are we moving stuff around and putting it in different areas? And but that's the confusing part. The, ma- the mathematics is simple. It's the um, putting it in the right area to get the right result, I suppose. Yeah, I think Troy would be able to give you a good answer for why we would have the want, operational expenses get on, sorry, wages above that.
1: I'll take that as a yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so look, the key, determining factor on that is can I turn it off all right so if you can turn it off what
2: is that? be nice because uh, it's loud
1: yeah it would be <laughs> <laughs> so um, it may be hard to turn employees off um, but ultimately they can turn them off so that's the first question the other one does they contribute to the job? So if they contribute to the job, as far as I'm buying something on the job, so when you're buying labour from an employee, and you're buying materials, and then I'm selling them on the job, that is a cost to sell. Does that make sense? So if you can give me some examples of what you may be unsure of, I'll see if I can clarify on by one.
0: So one thing you said was like parking and tolls and, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So, why you want why to sort of try in, and work out?
1: Yep. So, why are you incurring the toll and the parking space? So, obviously, because of the cost of the job. Because I, if if I didn't have to do that job, I wouldn't. I wouldn't incur the cost. Yep. Okay. Makes sense. Yep. Where are you based, mate? Me, Brisbane. So you'd be parking your tolls or something out there, which part of oh, the end? toll The bill, toll bill's huge, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I <laughs> love Perth.
3: But um, yeah, so pretty much it's materials, cost of sales, aka tolls, um, and then just pure labour costs. And yep. my cost would go underneath because yeah, that makes no difference.
1: Yeah. So, how is your cost? What's your role in the business?
3: Um, so I run the business. So yeah. you're the director. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're director, my and my and husband you... is on the tools. Okay. But um, so I would put his wage that we pull out for him as a part of
1: cost the sales. GP. Yeah.
3: That's right. But I'd go underneath. Yeah.
1: Correct, Yep. Yeah. 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 And what then
3: if I back- got one other Sparky,
1: he would be in the top line too. Correct. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um. Just going back to the question before of of, of why do we do that? And why is it important? Um. The reason it's important is because that contributes to our gross margin percentage. And the gross yeah. margin percentage is the key. It is the key to achieving the goals.
3: Yeah. Working that set,
1: out. Set what you want to achieve. Hold your overheads. Hold your overheads to what the budget says, and hit that gross gross margin dollars, and that's the key to it. Yeah, we we our
0: even with the size of our business, our operational expenses changes so minimally. That's pretty much constant. Mm.
1: Yeah. So the only thing that
0: changes is the top line, above you know the cost of sales change depending on how much work we've got. So if we've got less work and we're going out to less jobs, then the you know the the cost for us to operate those jobs changes as well. You know,
3: mm. <clears throat> so like I'm about to up my marketing budget to try and get more work, so that would be part of my overheads. So my overheads is really going to change.
1: Yes. Just, Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what will you do then is, uh, and I won't share the screen again, but back in your overheads budget sheet. <clears throat> in this reverse engineer P&L spreadsheet, you mm. put that additional lift in there. Yeah. And with all of the other costs and percentages remaining the same, it'll tell you how much more in revenue that marketing spend has to deliver for you. Yeah. To, st- to still achieve the same bottom line. Yeah. But ultimately you'd want to make more. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Cause it's not just when you put, you, know, if you spend $2,000 in advertising, you know, it's not just, you need to make $2,000 extra revenue because there's costs go along uh, as well. So the start, yeah. it's all of the top lines costs. So then you get better at recognizing exactly, well, if I've changed my, you know, amount of money we put into advertising, how's that actually going to affect the the bottom and top line because yeah, yeah, you don't. You want to be able to return on investment includes all of the things that go
1: into it, on top.
3: What's a good return on investment?
1: From a marketing uh, point of view, that that'd be a great question.
0: Yeah. So, uh, in terms absolutely. of adwords and Facebook advertising, if you do it well, like there's there's some great opportunities. Um, you're looking at probably like we will probably get about. Um, a 500% return like ROI on our marketing efforts. So every dollar we yeah. what's the five. Sorry?
1: So the dollar ratio, dollar ratio there is so ten, if, spend, if we 10,000 bucks.
0: bucks yeah. That's all right. So um yeah, so the the other thing is uh when you're working out, say for instance, if you're doing the magic wizard sales method, which is a labor intensive cost. So you will work out. If I was doing all of the marketing myself, all of the phone calls I have to make, all the meetings I have to set up, all of those things that go into it, that's still a cost I have to factor in. So I need to be able to factor in how much of that time is, is costing me. So I even separate my marketing time that I spend in doing marketing because I've got several roles. I've got my academy staff, I've got marketing for response, you know, all this other stuff. But when I spend time doing marketing or say if I just hired someone that was just doing marketing, I would have that as a separate operational expense so I could look at that cost of this staff member going out and doing all this marketing work and how much money they actually bringing in. I would have a separate sales line for that specific type of work that they get. Yeah, does that make sense?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. So some of the things that you want to be asking yourself is how are we going to earn the money? So if we, if you like Troy said, we need to start at the very beginning, and think asking ourselves why are we earning the money that we on, want to earn in the first place? Why do we want to make this extra money? And how much is that? and hopefully being ambitious with it because we want to really push ourselves to get that achieved as well. The next question is how much are you gonna, there's a few things that you need to do as you start to scale this to be able to achieve this better net result. Uh, First of all is you can take your hourly rate up to a certain point till it becomes too expensive and you actually can't push it up anymore, you won't get work. So you need to start to work that out if you're a sole trader first. Like you got to work out what's that max rate that you can charge. The next thing is if you've got staff working for you, that's the cost that you're going to have to bring into your business as well. So how much are we going to have to, uh, scale before we add a big chunk of, uh, cost to sale, you know, because if you can't keep that productive and you, you might be earning the same amount of money, but then your efficiency drops because you're no longer out there doing all the work. So, if you need to factor your time into the bottom line, that's something you have to ask yourself. So Mm -hmm. you might be able to push yourself as a sole trader to a certain point, but then you have to put on a staff member and that's gonna do a massive chunk of your gross profit. Right, Troy? And that's why bigger companies have a lower gross profit uh, margin.
1: Mm. And you look at that and I did those numbers, I put 45%. Now My target in my business is 45%. and we do hit that. We hit over it, under it, but generally we're, we're over it. And that's no big deal because my passion is not turning screwdrivers anymore. My passion is doing the, the strategic stuff uh, and doing the, not so much the operational stuff, but leading my team to, to achieve what, and, and I've got it sitting on my board now, high quality, high outcomes for clients, business success, and safe, rewarding employment for our staff. So it's my job to get them to achieve that. So that means I'm not actually turning screwdrivers. I'm doing the work I enjoy. I get time off to participate in these sorts of forums, which I really enjoy as well. Um, So you're moving from uh, doing something that you're really passionate about and then the shine goes off it. So then you move up into just doing estimating and operations and so on. So you're paying other people to do Uh, What you used to do and delegate my my role for me was to delegate every single part of my business to somebody else over time and that frees you up because The phone calls for from an operational point of view if you're sitting in operations Or you're sitting in sales the phone calls are relentless So going away and having a holiday It's hard work. Mm. You're still on the phone. You're still taking phone calls your wife or husband is going come on, we're meant to be going tree surfing. <laughs> um, whereas that allows you to do that. So having 45% gross margin is fine because you've got other people in there. You split yourself into a salesperson and an operational person and, and a finance person. And there's a fairly standard organisational chart um, that we think is what well, we know it works. Um, that frees you up, frees your time up. Yeah. So as I said, 45 GP is not an issue, depending on how much free time you got.
0: Yeah, so that's that's the next thing. If you guys are one or two or three staff, you might be asking yourself, well, when can I get into a position where I can hire an operations manager to take care of all the staff who will be a non-billable, right? So they'll go under the line, they'll go in your operating expenses. Your operations manager will then, you're going to have to ask yourself, well, with three tradesmen we're not going to be able to possibly earn enough to be able to support this non billable. Cause at the moment you as a director would be the non billable. You slowly phase yourself out. You do less time on the tools. you become from a fully billable tradesman and business owner where you do all your work after hours to, you know, doing most of your non billable hours uh, and you to a point where you're not doing billable hours anymore and you're the operations manager then you keep putting staff on to the point where you can hire a operations manager to do that job where they run the business and then, you know, but you have to be able to do this where you can put that in to your p and and go, well, how much do we have to make before we can do that? Does that make sense? You guys? Yeah. So any, any sort of role that you want to, sort of test out or even a part time, or even I want to put another tradesman on, what does that look like? You need to be able to chuck it in there and go, it's going to cost me seven grand a month every month. Well, where I'm, what's going to happen when I do put that person in for seven grand, right? Which includes like your van and their wages and super and stuff. So I'll, I'll do that. Um, sorry, that's their wages and super. And then you've got their van and everything else. They so work that out and go, well, I won't have to work hundred percent of the time on the tools anymore. They can do that and it will be less efficient than you cause they're not as good as you probably. And they don't care as much as you do. And you're going to have to train them. So there's all these factors come into that. And so you put that in there and go, they're going to work at less efficiency, but that frees me up to do more time marketing, you know, more time working out this, these websites, more time doing the stuff that's actually going to bring in more work to keep them busy which you can get to the, the next step to put out the tradesmen on. But if you're someone like Andrew, I don't think Andrew wants to, to grow your business, do you? You just want to do sole trader. So the guys that do want to stick as a sole trader, just hourly rate, how high can you go? That's it.
2: Go as high as you can.
1: What's your thoughts on that, Andrew?
2: Oh, I'm open to growing. I want to grow. Oh, sorry, man. You're um, mistaken of someone else. I... have <laughs> Um I do enjoy being a sole trader but um you know I do have the sort of dream of growing to a, a small business still um I think it would yeah, be good but I, I just feel oh, I have a long way to go myself before I can even get to that point um That's, and I'm working on it That's um pretty astute of be actually because um
1: I'll go back probably 6 or 7 years ago uh one of the that I used to have working with me uh, went out on his own and, and so on. And he's looking at what I was doing and looking at where he was. And he said, I really want to get to, to, to 10 guys, which, by the way, is not the target. The target's a dollar value at the bottom of your P And the 10 guys support that. But other than that, he said, oh, How do I get the 10 guys? I said, Well, you have to become a different person and you have to grow into that. A guy that's a sole trader now, if I put 10 guys into that business now, it'll fall over because they don't have the tools, they don't have the knowledge and the understanding and so on to do that. But you grow into that over time
3: Mm. and you
1: educate yourself on that. So um, nothing is off the table. Nothing is off the table. You just grow into the person that it takes to achieve that.
2: Yeah, good answer, Troy. That's what I mean. I'm still growing and yeah, I'm accepting the fact that I Mm. sort of want to put someone on and get more work, but it's, uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta do a few things before you can do that. Yeah, if you don't stretch, you don't grow. You're on the right track, man. Yeah, that's from right. what I've
0: been hearing, you're mm. doing really well. So keep it up. That's it. Cool. Thanks, Greg. Any other, any other guys? You other guys that are new, or anyone else, to want to jump in and ask any questions around this, or before we finish up? What are your goals for the next fortnight, everyone? Setting up this P&L, seeing what it looks like.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Mm.
3: Yeah. My hubby's really good at like Excel like formulas. So if I do make up that format, I'll share it for everyone.
0: <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, you can set up different layouts too. If you if you want to have the one and you're comfortable with the one you look at all the time, that's fine. But definitely set one up, which is operational, which is what we're talking about yeah. because you, you will need to make operational decisions where it's like, well, what's going to happen when I do X or Y or Z, whatever those decisions <clears> are. And you can also yeah. future plan from this as well and go, well, what does the business look like when I've got four staff, you know? What sort of money do I need to be making at that point? What are the extra expenses that I'm gonna to have to have to pay for when I do grow my business? And a lot of the time that is a bit of a guess, but at least that gives you you know, when you first started out and they made you do that business budget? And you're like, Oh I fucking know. no. Oh meant no. <laughs>
1: that's that's the reason why that's the reason why I did this. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I got asked once to do a business plan. I don't know if any of you have Googled business plan. Has anybody done that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've Googled it. Did you understand any of what you found online? Because I fucking didn't. So <laughs> I said, this is rubbish. What do I need? And and it, it developed from here basically. So <laughs> yeah, um, but it, it's keep it as simple as possible. I have a two-page business plan. I mean, look, now it's expanded out a little bit, but initially it was a two-page business plan, just a single piece of paper, double-sided, and it outlined my reverse engineered PL and what the numbers were. It outlined what the numbers were going to be and what my balance sheet was going to be within 12 months, two years and five years yeah. and where my target market was for what types of services I was going to provide. So that was it. Mm. And that gave me enough of what I needed to, to, to have to tell my people about it so that they could come along with the journey and help me achieve what we want to achieve.
0: Yeah, that's all you need. You need to know where you're heading. And like, even if it is a bit of a guess, coming back to my point was, even if it is a guess, at least you've got some idea of what it looks like. So then as you start to implement it and things slightly change, it's just a matter of just slightly adjusting it as you move. Whereas if you haven't even planned ahead, you're just going for the ride. You don't even know what's coming up. Hmm. So it's better that you have some idea of what it's going to look like. And then you're sort of growing into it, and then shifting it as you go. Then just jumping on a boat that has no uh, water. Well, you'll be better at this, Troy, with the sail, and it doesn't have a keel. Is that what
1: it's called? <laughs> Can't yeah, actually... you end up upside down without one of them. Yeah, all right. But if you don't have a helmsman, you end up nowhere near where you plan to be. Yeah. Exactly. And the other, okay, one more sailing analogy. We cannot control the wind, but we can adjust our sails. If you apply that to business, you can't control shit that happens to That's you. Exactly you That's exactly what I meant. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. This thing. Yeah. Cool. There's nothing better
3: knowing your numbers, you know, if you yeah. don't know them. Yeah, there's really no yeah. point to it.
0: That's why we're yeah. spending a lot of time on this, guys. We just want to make sure this is really important because understanding this will help you as a director, as you grow your business, make, Critical operational decisions, and you know, sitting on the board like Troy is now. When I was on the national board, uh, MEA, and making those decisions, even they had it slightly out sometimes. And we just need to make sure. No, let's make this operational. You know, and, and it's really important to make those decisions. Without it, you can't. So mm. yeah, getting good at understanding your numbers. The more you practice it, the more you look at it, the more you say. Why is that? Why is that line out? Why is that so much more than the months before? Looking at it like that, you become—it comes second nature. You look at it and you can make decisions really quickly. You don't need to look at it forever, you know. But the more you practice it, the better you get. But the first thing, yeah, set it, set it up so it's all set up correctly, and you know what you're looking at, and understand the numbers. Um, and we'll keep working at it. And if you've got any questions, make sure you're shooting them through or ask them in the messenger group or giving us a call or whatever, and we'll make sure you understand it because it's important. Yeah. Cool? All right. Sound good? Sweet. If you, you want to... Maybe... Will you
3: record this so I can watch the beginning because I just got in late?
0: Yeah, I've recorded it. So I'll chuck it up um, oh. as soon as I can, probably in the next couple of days. All right. Alrighty. Sweet, so and, if you and guys, did you
3: use, so you had homework?
0: Yeah, the homework is to go and set up your P and L template in zero. Make sure it's set up with those things that we said and start to, you know, work out your percentage because zero won't give you a percentage, will it? So you're gonna have to just work out nah, figures. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, so just just go and create layout <laughs> um, and then just put REPL, R-E-P-L, reverse engineer your P&L, P&L statement, and then you'll know what you're looking for. And you, your accountant can still use the old one, that's fine. If they and want, And if yeah, you're having exactly conversations like. with your accountant or with your bookkeeper or anything, tell them, you've set this up, this is for you, this is purely operational, they can do what the hell they like, but this is yours. Yeah. Cool. And start to familiarise yeah. yourself with cool. that start to look at your your
0: operational expenses your total and look at it like well how much does that fluctuate you should see that your operational expenses really won't change much and when it does you can pinpoint it and go boom what's happened there what's wrong oh look my accountants uh coded that incorrectly i've got my you know my accounting lady that works for me full-time she'll uh sometimes code something incorrectly and i can just magically make more money out of yeah. that nowhere and that feels good because yeah. i can do it in a matter of minutes <laughs> yeah. oh, that's
1: an that, extra that actually,
0: grand. thank you very much boom redo that one that
1: actually does happen and i find that a lot and it's 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 nothing sinister most of the time it's just they didn't understand from a bookkeeper's point of view they didn't understand where the director wanted those expenses put or they didn't understand what they were so you clarify all that, but it does stick out like the proverbial when you when you see it because it's fairly consistent.
0: Like a superannuation payable account gets put in against the uh, accruals, mm-hmm. and that goes into your P and L, and you've got all this extra super. But you've got to be able to look at that and see that mm. every month. You've got to be able to look at it and go, something's not right here. What's going on? Rather than oh, I got I've lost money.
1: I got very good at this. I um, I was terrible at numbers. And then I had an employee that stole thirty thousand dollars from me, and that mm-hmm. makes you really look at your numbers and I got fucking good at it, yeah, and we found the thirty grand
3: yeah. <laughs> and
1: she took it but yeah. uh mm. do you, you
3: guys great. work it out on cash basis or
1: so cash and accruals that's mm. an accounting term
3: yeah,
1: um, and you 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 got in late, you might have just missed this, but um. Uh, nothing to do. It, it's all to do with the way that you pay your BAS and the way that you pay your GST and IAS and so on. Um, if you're if you're over a million dollars, uh, I think that's in revenue, then you can be put onto accruals. But otherwise, you pay it on a cash basis, which is much better for cash flow because it means you're only paying BAS on the actual cash, like the receipts of cash and the pay once it's paid. Yeah,
3: yeah. A P and
1: L, a P and L is not like that, and this is the difference between cash and Profit with your PL, there's no GST on it. There's just add ten percent if you want to do it, but don't worry about that. It's purely exactly what you invoiced and what you received. So that is at the time that you invoiced it and sent that bill out, and it's at the time that you received that invoice. All right. Yep. So that's when the profit happens. You may have a 30 day account with a wholesaler, you may have seven day terms with clients. That's <clears throat> when the cash happens so there's always a lag in cash yeah best That's thing coming. to do then is push your push your suppliers out to longer terms and bring your clients into shorter terms that helps yeah. cash flow. Yeah.
0: yeah just uh coming back to a point i made right at the start of the meeting is what i see a lot when i go through people's pnls is they'll pay, they'll pay their wholesaler bill on a cash style so like when it comes in the zero, they reconcile it. So, you know, you accrued all of this, say $10,000 worth of materials in December and let's just say January. And at the end of February you pay it, but then they'll reconcile it to materials in February when it's actually all of the materials that were met were accrued and used on jobs in January. Does that make sense? So what Hmm. we need to do there, if you're not adding, your, all of your wholesalers invoices into zero, you want to at least create an invoice for your whole statement amount and put it into January and then recon and match that amount that was coming as a uh, reconcile line in zero to that invoice, which was for January. Does that make sense to everyone here? Is, is everyone doing it like that? Yeah, because
3: that always makes me go when you have a big month and your P&L looks shit, and it's like, oh, it's really because it's for the month previous. Mm.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that's we you want to be making sure that you've got, you want to make sure that your materials and your own, the easy way to do it is if you get your statement in February, like the 2nd of February, right? So you got, let's just say yeah. this month. So January's just finished. The 2nd of February, LNH sends you this statement, and it's $10,000. So instead of waiting till the end of February and then paying it and then reconciling that $10,000 to February, you just create mm. a, a bill in zero, the full amount, for $10,000 and dated the 31st of January. January.
1: Yeah. Two, two back things back. I do see crop up as well, is when, so to, <laughs> when, when you... you <laughs> So <laughs>
0: hey, I, let's get this right because I want to make sure I understand You know when you get it.
3: So I, beer, I know how to that reconcile this.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so you if you, you receive
1: invoice. the invoice,
2: yeah. yeah, if you receive
1: if the invoice in January, yeah. then that's the date like, the transaction occurs. Who's paying? Yeah, so the <laughs> monthly invoice amount will be
3: different.
1: Yeah, so a lot of things that crop up is people will actually enter the statement from their supplier. Never, never do that. You always enter the invoice in. Hey, then you, re- then you reconcile it. the statement. There's, there's a way around it. With, um, I don't know if
2: anyone uses AWM, but they, automatically does it, they have a system where it just goes straight into zero and it, it goes to whatever code you want it in and it's auto-reconciled, it's all done. It is awesome. So of, yeah, it's of, awesome. I've just started using it.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, What's, the What's the cost It's pretty good.
1: Uh, nah, cool. just, it's an auto-feed from payments. Yeah,
2: yeah, you just, M- if, with AWM, they, they just gave me a call and they said, oh, we've got an integrations team and we'll do it automatically for you. And they did mm. and didn't have to do anything. Now it's all just goes in straight away, enters it in, the line item and everything. Yeah, it works um, like Simpro and
0: Aeroflow and all them as well. There you go. So, anyone that doesn't have Simpro, yeah, that's a way to get around it. And so, what happens then, Simone, back to your question, is you'll get in January, you would have actually got like 20 or 50 invoices because you've gone to the wholesaler that many times or whatever. So yeah. when when you pay it in February for $10,000, yeah. you literally just go in and go match and you find all of those tick, 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 and it will add up to
3: $10,000. Yeah, but I don't put each individual statement into my mail account. I've got my mail.
1: Yeah, that's the issue. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> from a job management point of view, <laughs> <laughs> so from a job management point of view, you need to know how much that that job cost. Yeah. So every invoice you need to enter. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you run um, Jeez, a job management package as well?
2: That. <laughs> That's the time factor, you,
0: right? That's why I said it. at the very yeah. least, you wanna yeah. put your yeah. statement amount into the very yeah. least.
1: But you do, do you run job management system?
3: Just MyOB and ServiceMate.
1: Okay, I don't think that ServiceMate has that integration yet, but um, look, as you grow. It Andy does will.
2: with zero, sorry. to. Chop yeah. you off there, Troy. Service no, you're made, off. Links for zero. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh no, for what materials and invoices.
2: Yeah. Drop it in invoices. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh right, right. I'll
3: never get a correct PL the way I do.
2: Yeah. But we will work on it. You
0: probably want to be doing it on an annual basis if it's, or know that you. Yeah. All you have to just, do. Just is... Just out of curiosity. Said, do what I said. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Just out of curiosity, how many how many invoices per month from suppliers? Um, I don't know. Always do daily,
3: multiple h- times daily, so Okay. Yeah. Um probably like invoices days, a day. sixty days,
1: sixty invoices, seventy. Yeah yeah it is a time factor there, look there's lots of things that that you can implement that will cut um and look maybe we'll we'll have a chat about that another time but there is lots of things that you can implement because the more efficient you become the more time you get to focus on I call them big rocks and if you've ever watched the the jar of life video you know what big rocks big rocks are about but yeah, if you're yeah. spending yeah if you're spending time on sand Get someone else to do it, or automate it.
3: Yeah, I just didn't even think
1: about
3: entering in. Put them in. Yeah, yeah, milk into
1: that. Yeah, yeah, delegate or automate.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: Sweet. All right,
0: guys. Well, that brings us to time. Hope you all enjoyed that. If you've got any extra questions, you want to email us through a list of your questions. Happy to answer it to you guys that were live here with us today. So feel free to shoot me a message on Messenger or email or however you want to send it to me. Um, Any of your questions, we'll get back to you. Just saying thanks for coming live. Like, really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. And um,
3: yeah, thanks,
2: Troy.
1: No worries, my Thank pleasure.
2: Thank you, Troy, for, for joining yeah, us today. cheers, Troy. i got a lot out of tonight.
0: Thanks, Greg oh. and Troy.
2: Awesome. Hey. Go, go make success, guys. Have
3: fun cheers. in New Zealand, Greg.
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll catch you when <laughs> I get back. <laughs>
2: right. See you. Awesome. Right. Thank you. See you all.